this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey guys, just a little word before we get to the main show this week. We had a little tech glitch where my side of the recording was no good and we'd use a backup. So I sound like I'm recording from the bottom of the well. I'm not. Everything's fine. I just sound bad this week, my side of the recording. So just so you know, we know about it. Sorry about that. One time deal. All right, let's get on with the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Bombass Socks. Bombass are the most comfortable, best-fitting socks I've ever worn. They sent me a whole bunch, and I'm really digging them. They have these awesome blister guards on the athletic socks, which are really perfect. Additionally, Bombass donates one pair of socks to those in need for every pair purchased because socks are the number one requested item in shelters across the United States. Right now, you can find out about these great socks for yourself with a 20% discount, plus get free shipping on your first order when you pick four or more pairs of socks. Go to bombass.com, that's B-O-M-B-A-S.com, and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping on your first order of four or more pairs. Bombass has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You love them or your money back, no questions asked. Again, that's B-O-M-B-A-S.com for 20% off and free shipping when you pick four or more pairs. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. Episode 179, we're recording on Thursday, October 13th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. I just screwed up the pre-roll like three times in a row, which I've never done before in my life. I'm that shook. I'm shook. Hi. <laughs> uh, so before we get into the it's Nobel Prize announcement day, so we're recording in time to, to talk about the Nobel Prize being awarded in literature this year. But we got two things to talk about before that. First is, we're bringing back something we tried, was it a million years ago, or was it only 500,000 years ago? We tried uh, our first like, read-along thing. You know, thing. split the difference. It was a few years ago mm-hmm. where we tried to do a read-along, a book writer read-along. But we're, we're bringing it back, and we're going to start, it's going to be what it's been for about a month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very informal, and the, we're going to call it Riot Read, use hashtag Riot Read wherever hashtags are sold. Um, and it's going to go live on the site tomorrow, so the day after recording now, so by the time the show is live, you'll be able to check it out. So we're not spoiling this thing by it. Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Show, which is, which is your jam. I loved it, yeah. Yes. We have recommended right that now. book so many times on the Get Book podcast <sighs> that we now can't. Like, we made a rule that we can't. Like it's in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's yeah. in your Swiss Army recommendation mm-hmm. sort of uh, cabinet. Um, and so what are we going to do? Well, what's our plan? Um, we are going to, it's very free form, so read it, go get it from wherever you want, library. If you get, it's in the book mailbox, which yes. is also not a spoiler because everyone's gotten theirs by now. So if you are a book mailbox purchaser, then you've already gotten it. 
uh, get it from the library, get it from Amazon, get it from your indie, however you want, and then read it at your own pace over the next month or so. And then you can talk about it in whatever format you want on social media. Um, you can write about it on your own blog. We will have a main post on the site where you can drop the link to your comments on your blog so other people can read it. Of course, if you, you can search the hashtag um, to see what other people are doing or saying or pictures they're taking of the book or you know stuff on Litzy or crafts they're making or whatever. However you want to interact with it, do it your own way. Tag us if you feel like it so that we yeah. can see it also. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to be doing that for like a month. And, we're gonna, and if you've got ideas for stuff we should do, too, we're looking for ideas because we're going to do some of our own posts. Maybe we'll do a podcast, special drop-in, something else like that. Mm-hmm. We're looking for ways to make it interesting, basically. Like, we don't want there to be – because I think the read-along we tried, we, we did for like two months. is like read X number of pages by this date and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Just a little too intensive. So um, I, I don't know what you call it. I think read-along is probably better – metaphor than a book club yeah. I, I guess um i was thinking of doing a close reading of the first line i haven't done one of those in a while i haven't i haven't ever done that with a fantasy book this is Ooh. this is fantasy so yeah without thinking about it i don't even remember what the first line is so uh anyway we'll see i'm i'm about halfway through it i like it it took me a little bit to get into i have to admit that yeah me too it's yeah. it's not necessarily that it's slow moving there's just a lot going on like it's it's, yeah. a, it's historical fiction, so it takes place during, like, Victorian England, but it's a different universe because it's fantasy, so there's magic, yeah. and, you know, it takes a while to, like, wrap your hand around the rules. of. Yeah, fantasy. right, and, and they're not, like, explicitly laid out at some, like, great expository chapter where right. you get how everything works. You kind of have to piece it together, and, um, but it's interesting, and it's good, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. So, um, and it's in a series, right? Yes, it's it first, is. Yeah. And do we know how many and when and all that stuff with the rest? I'm pretty sure the next one comes out next year, but I don't know how many there will be. So we're just in this now. We're just in it. We're We're just in in this now. Okay. All right. So that's Sorcerer of the Crowns End Show. Um, Check out the post. We'll be talking about it more here, I'm sure. So our first sponsor, we'll get into the meat of the day. It's Audible is back. Audible has audiobooks from the leading audiobook publishers, as you know, but also broadcasters, entertainers, magazines, and newspaper publishers, and business information providers, BIPs, as I like to call them. They, the, the app is free and it works on iPhones, iPads, Android phones, Android tablets, Windows phones. Basically, if anything that you can support that has internet connectivity, you can get your free Audible app on. You've got a great listen guarantee. You decide you don't like the book you chose and they don't have any questions. There's no worries. You go log into your account and it's instantaneous. It doesn't pass like a review board of customer complaints or um, the, 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 the major domo of screwing you over or anything. I don't have to take a look at it just right there, boom. Because they want you to have a great listen every time because they know what's awesome about audiobooks is you get into it and you love it and it becomes really you know part of your day if you're into a good audiobooks. Just for our listeners, Audible's offering a free 30-day trial membership Go to audible.com slash bookriot today to start your free trial. Show support for us, free trial, bookriot, audible.com slash bookriot. Speaking of literature in the audio tradition, oh, yeah. the Nobel Prize came out today, it was awarded today Excuse me. Um, to Robert Zimmerman, a.k.a. Bob Dylan, <laughs> uh, of uh, Hibbing, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Not as surprising as it might seem, it's not actually that unexpected. He's Uh, been mentioned on like Bookkeeper or like Bookmaker. Yeah, Ladbrokes. um, I was, uh, I I don't know, I I was uh, exultantly tweeting a piece I wrote five years ago Mm -hmm. for this site (laughs) um, saying why Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize. And that was based entirely upon 
looking at the betting, the future markets that for Dylan cropped up there and they started made a case, whatever. Um, so in a way, it's not unexpected. I think anyone that doesn't follow the Nobel Prize even casually would be shocked, though, don't you think? I mean, like, yeah. like I'm, I'm sure my dad woke up today shocked. Like, he likes to read books, he follows this, but he's he wouldn't have... Michelle was shocked, for example. Yeah, my, my best friend, who is a reader and likes Book Riot, but is not, you know, like yeah. a total, total book nerd. She texted me at, like, 6.30 this morning. <laughs> like, what is going on with Bob Dylan winning the Nobel? And I was like, girl, I have no answers for you. Well, the headlines this year have been so nuts that you don't know, is it the onion? Are you are you stroking out? Like, what, you know, it could be true, it could not be true. Were you shocked? I know you have opinion, opinions, and we'll get into those. Mm-hmm. And I do too. But like, what was your first, were you, were you shocked? Were you, were you surprised or just shocked? Or what? Not, not really, because he's been, you know, he's been talked about for a couple of years. And I knew, I felt like the committee was probably going to try and make a more um, like populist kind mm-hmm. of choice this year. Because the last couple of years they've done, they've gone with really obscure, you know, the joke about obscure European whatevers. I mean, the last one was Alice Monroe that like people, at least people that we know that are into books and reading. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Alice Monroe. Because that's like, yeah, Svetlana, and then Modiano, Modiano. and before that is Transtrotomer, we were just joking about before the show, that's mm-hmm. 2011. Um, I remember we weren't doing this show yet, but we had sort of our, our I think we were using, class. I don't even remember how we were talking to each other back then. We're like, who in the heck is this guy? You know, a Swedish poet that writes like little 11 line melting snowflakes of poems. <laughs> um, I was expecting an American because it's been, you know, like 20 it's been, years. It's been a minute. Yeah, like 20 years, years since Tony. Um, but I was expecting an American novelist, so this was, yeah. this was a little surprising, but not not terribly. Not so not out of left field. Yeah. Um, I get the Twitter reaction is always ready to go. Well, no, people have written some hot takes already. And already. We're, we, we just it's we read new. a couple of steamers. Um, <laughs> but I'd say that pretty. I'd say it among the the literary people and bookish people I follow, pretty negative response so far. Yeah. Um. I'm delighted. <laughs> I'm, de- I'm delighted in the individual choice. I am not delighted about sort of the ongoing patterns. I don't know if that's a fair distinction to make. I don't know if that's totally self-serving. It probably is. Mm. Um, I'm a Dylan fan. You know, I made the case before. Maybe some of it is uh, confirmation bias, right? right. Um, look at me. I guess this. So that makes me a great person. I, I don't know what. I don't know what my ego is doing there. <laughs> um, you know. So, but, but the the. the well, there's a lot of problems with that. I think the foremost one is the one that you are voicing, and I agree with, is it's another white dude. Yeah. Um, it's in a long history of whiteness, especially, um, but also dudes. Mm-hmm. What, was it 14 out of 100, our ladies? 14 out of 100. If you want to cherry pick data like I was trying to do myself this morning, it's four out of the last 10 are women, but whatever. Um, that makes the the other ninety eight years before that especially bad. <laughs> if you look at it that way, I'm going to need them to continue the last ten years for another hundred years. Yeah, I mean, you, before I it's, care, it's, it's about... interesting that I mean, at what you, I don't know, maybe maybe it isn't in regional. They're not going to pick women every year for the next sixty years. Like to get to parity at some point, I don't know how that would even happen. But you'd like to at least look at ongoing parity, right? I mean, that, that seems to me reasonable. And if it was a woman this year, it'd be five out of ten. If it's a woman next year, it's five out of eleven. I'm not sure. Um, but the, the other one that's just a disaster is the women of color. I mean, Tony's the only one. Tony Morrison is, is the only, only one. one. Only one. 
and so some of this gets back to what what we want the Nobel to do itself. We want prizes themselves to do. Um, because so, so while I like Dylan, this doesn't do anything for Dylan's career, right? It doesn't help. Is someone going to go like, you know, I should check out this Bob Dylan fellow. There. Right. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really do Wait, that. So, who is that? Do I need so some of it comes out, what do we want a literary award to do? Um, mm-hmm. And what, what do you want the Nobel to do? Like what? Their, their, their reason for being, and I, and the case I made for Rowling is it's like, Furthers literature in ideal direction, which is like word salad for nothing. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So it could mean anything, right? Um, Right. So that's one of the things we're running into. So what do you want the Nobel to do outside of this pick? I'm I'm curious to hear what what would you like to see? What what would make you care about the Nobel? I do. do. I do care. care. I do care about the Nobel in in as much as. I th- I think that awards are worthless, which may sound like a contradiction, but um, any book award, especially these big institutional ones, you know, the Pulitzer and the Nobel, are going to, they're, they're just a subjective choice based on the particular taste and biases of the committee, of the awarding committee, and the, the Nobel is no different. So you're going to get the institutionalized sexism and racism, and in the case of the Nobel, tons and tons of Eurocentric stuff. Um, so... With that in mind, I'm not, I don't put a lot of stock in the Nobel or any other award's ability to say that this book is objectively excellent or this body of work is objectively better or more worthy of distinction or honor than another body of We've work. We've been doing this too long. Yeah, oh, like, just, yeah. no, fine. So, since I don't care about any of that, the thing that I go to awards for is usually to either, like, being real honest here, have my own personal taste confirmed, Right. Or um, be introduced to new or interesting authors or bodies of work that I have maybe never heard of or that Mm -hmm. aren't getting enough play or that um, especially in the case of the Nobel, which is just the whole bloody world. Right. Like an Americans only only have three percent of our of our books are from in translation every year. So we are especially in need of of a spotlight being put on an interesting international author um and bob dylan is just in no way serving that at all like not only is he not i mean he's written like memoirs but who cares and i don't get behind this idea that because he doesn't write fiction or books or whatever um he shouldn't have got it i don't i don't really care and like the idea of what is literature is i guess that's an interesting question it's not personally interesting to me um so I, I just really wish that it had been like the thing about that joke about how, you know, Americans every year that the Nobel is given out are like, who? I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's right. great. And like, we need that. We need to not continue to think that America is the only country putting out interesting books worth reading. And we need to have more focus on, uh, you know, not Philip Roth, mm-hmm. who we talk about every year. Um, so that's what I want. Yeah, prizes kind of the spotlight effect, right? Yeah, we're shining a light on some body of work, and then what is the value and utility of that spotlight? Because in this case, you know, I was 15 when the Nobel was given to Morrison, so I don't know what that did for her career. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would assume we wouldn't be talking about her in the same terms, even if the body of work was exactly the same. I don't think people would think of her in the same terms without the Nobel. Do you? No, I mean it's got it still has weight to it, especially yeah. you know I don't I think not a lot of not maybe that's overstating, but not every reader pays attention to book awards. But I feel like mm-hmm. most readers know the Nobel, and if you see that sticker, 
it, it means a thing. Well, when I was a young, re- I mean, a younger reader, especially before, you know, the book journal was a thing and it was really hard to find out what to read. Like, I remember picking up Nadine Gortimer because there was a Nobel Prize sticker. Uh, yeah, I, I picked the up The Golden Notebook by Doris Lessing. Yep. I picked up Disgrace by um, J.M. Kutze. Like, it mattered to me because I wanted to read stuff from around the world and I didn't have any, I didn't have any sieve to try to figure out what to read, um, let alone what then got translated. I mean, those happened to be in English, which is not a mistake that they were also reason they were on tables in the Kansas Barnes and Noble that I went to. So, <laughs> I mean, but, but seriously, like, you know, B.S. Nightfall, like there's other, there's a bunch of other readers I read principally because I saw the Nobel, but then I read something else about them. So it really has sort of the function for me personally of a discovery, like the ultimate discovery vehicle. Yeah. Right? And there's no denying that the awarding of a Nobel moves a career. I think, even if it's not necessarily true for Toni Morrison, like, like Mariano wasn't heavily translated in English. I remember when yeah, he won sure. the morning. Yeah, there was like one publisher that like ten books on hand. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah, and then the next year, I was a judge for the best translated book award. The year after he won, and we had four or five books of his to consider that year because his stuff just got translated like super fast. Right. Um, and of course, his sales skyrocketed. Like these tiny presses that put out these translations of, of authors that you know hadn't been translated before make tons of money for like the first mm-hmm. time ever. And that's so useful and important. And Bob Dylan, really, really. Well, he certainly doesn't need the money. I mean, the million bucks or whatever they've adjusted it to now. It's hard to believe that he needs the exposure. Again, I don't know how well they know Bob Dylan in, uh, well, Lithuania, where his grandparents are. You know, I, I just pick a random country that I don't know anything about, right? Um, I know like Vilnius is one city in Lithuania. That's the episode I know about Lithuania. So like, I don't know in terms of discovery platform, like maybe for, maybe it's not for Americans. Maybe it's for other people, which I also have a hard time believing. He's yeah. got to be the most famous person ever to win the Nobel Prize in literature. I, right? yes. I, who would be more famous than him? Um, uh, I have no idea. Lincoln Michael, who uh, writes, or I think is the managing editor for Electric Literature, was on Twitter today saying, like, what is a bigger platform than American pop culture? There, yeah. there is not one. There, there isn't one. So pretending like him winning the Nobel does something for his career, his right. visibility is like, come on. Like, if one day Beyonce wins it, are we going to pretend like she wasn't already an yeah. international phenomenon? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so then it, because it also seems to me like the purpose of what is like a lifetime achievement award, like it's actually like a medal you get at the end of Star Wars for a good job. Yes. Like, I, I guess I don't get that. Like, so that's to serve one person's ego? I, that doesn't seem to me very interesting either. Yeah. Um, so is it to expand what the idea of what we consider literature? I guess that's the most interesting way of thinking about what this is a word about. And so their, their go-to is, I don't know, that it's certainly not unassailable that Dylan uh, is a sort of a titanic literary figure. But in the world of songwriting, it's very hard to say, well, Dylan's not that great. Like, if, if you're going to say songwriting is a thing that should be considered, Dylan's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, now. yeah. So so it could be that. But on the other hand, again, I, again, my own ignorance is front and center here. I'm sure there have to be amazing spoken word poets, songwriters from around the world in hundreds of cultures. Yeah. Like, I, I can only imagine. I don't even know what I don't know about it. Screen And how interesting. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, we've had playwrights before, so that's not that different. So what, what's trying to be done here? And I guess I'm no, I, I guess I never really articulated this way, and that's what 
thinking about it this morning is brought to light is I don't care about sort of putting a gold star on someone's career and saying, you know, out of, out of boy, that's not interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's interesting to the cause of literature or w- whatever. Um, so as much as I am a Dylan fan and I guess I'm not, I'm not really happy that he won. I'm just like, okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, you know, he's certainly deserving of a Nobel. Now that's different than me wanting to win this award this year. Does that make sense? Does that difference make sense? Yeah. Um, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's gotta be a couple hundred people at least in the world that quote unquote deserve the award. Right. So if it's this one versus that one, you know, is Dylan, is Bill is Dylan better today? Cause he won the Nobel. No, it's not. No. Is he still even writing music? Like, Yo, no, yeah, he still, still pumps out. He still he still pumps out albums. All right, well, good for him. You can't um, get him posthumously. So my first thought, yeah, yeah, I right, admit right. this morning was, oh, he's still he's still around. That's that's cool. Right. Well, that's I mean, he, that's the other thing is like you have to, the Nobel goes to old people. Like you have it's a, for a body of work, which is, and I was also thinking like the award I'm most interested these days is the MacArthur, uh, and I think it's because they've been done a great a, a much better job of uh, of pluralism, um, but also. It's for a more interesting moment in the awardee's career. You know, you've done something, but you haven't done everything. You're not necessarily are who you're going to be as an artist yet, which I think is a much more interesting place to give someone a whole bunch of money, for example. Like, what's Dylan going to do with a million bucks? I don't know. Okay, here's where I... I have no feelings about Bob Dylan as an artist. Like, I, I don't dislike his music. I don't particularly like... Like, he's the James Joyce of music to me, where, like, I get it. I get why it's important, but like this is not my flavor. Right, sure, gotcha. Um, so, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about him as a as an artist winning this or whether he deserves it or not. Like that, that's beyond my uh, beyond my pay grade. Um, the thing that I care about is here is that before the committee has a responsibility to analyze what is literature, the committee has a responsibility, I think, to fix the BS of the fact that over 85% of their winners have been dudes. <laughs> like, I, I think that the, before we start branching off into like, well, does this count as literature? Does this count as literature? Whatever. We could maybe take a minute to recognize women of color, especially, but women, uh, writers of color who have been writing this whole time mm-hmm. that the prize has been awarded, that they've been ignored because of sexism and racism we need to recognize those people who have done things for literature, maybe as we understand it, maybe not like, I don't know. Well, it's what did trans trollformer do for a win. I mean, that's... It's, right, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. <clears throat> like the Robert Frost of Sweden? Okay. Yeah, you know. okay, sure. I, I just don't... Like, this feels to me like an attempt, and we know... We know well, maybe not. I might, That might be overstating. I have a strong suspicion... <laughs> That he was given this award so that the, the in like a grab, in a committee grab for populism. Or, uh, so, so we talk about it like this right now. Right, so or like relevance or whatever. And there's, I don't actually. Do you think care about that? Yes. I guess I just don't. Know. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you're, you're, you might be right. I just. Because there's no other reason. Like there's no other reason to, to ignore the body of work of so many people who are writing fiction and interesting nonfiction and do the, the song and dance, no pun intended, of like, well, what about music? Other than you want the attention. Like, it's a it's a stunt. And maybe it's a deserving stunt. I don't know. I have no opinion about Bob Dylan. Well, but it's, it's only, I mean, let it's, me, a stunt. Just so it's a stunt because otherwise it's not worth, it doesn't deserve it. I mean, I guess the only ways I can see it's a stunt if it doesn't deserve it. 
Oh, no, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive, necessarily. But it... It, but it, I guess my maybe this is how we define stunt. Yeah, I don't know. But it's it's a it's a stunt or whatever, however you want to define it, done at the cost of not giving the award to someone who is equally or more deserving, however you want to define that. Right. You can who's find a ignored, songwriter from sub-Saharan Africa. Right. Who's been ignored sure. because yeah. of horrible biases. That and do the same work of expanding, blah, blah, blah. And pretending blah, like this is like an edgy or radical choice that you gave the award to a wealthy white man from America. Like, no, sit down. Yeah, it's, it, it's, I mean, in terms of culture wars, like, the idea that song could be literature is, like, that's over. That's, like, 40 years yeah, ago. Yeah, sure. have been decided. Of course they can't. Whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not, I mean, I guess for the Nobel, I don't, they're, like, a trailing, like, a lagging indicator of this. I, I don't know. That's not that interesting to me either. I th- um, well, I think that is, because if you think about the, the Americans that, I think a lot of people thought an American would get it this year, but the people who are in the running, like, that were being talked about, from the U.S. were like Don DeLillo and Philip Roth. I would have been, I would have been so snore fast over DeLillo or Roth. Yeah. And I, and, and I like Roth. And I like DeLillo, but come on. Or Pynchon. Like 40, talk about a 40-year lag time. Yeah, right. Yeah, like seriously. And, and I guess if, you, if they're going to require you to have a lifetime's worth of work under your belt, it's going to be a 30-year lag time from when you were most relevant, right? Or when you are most edgy or most whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess that's... Uh, Guess more so the, but it the still ignores like that women of color have been right yeah yeah years. i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure there are like know, all persian, this talk about persian song you know like a lot of a lot of yeah, persian poetry has a rich and diverse history i'm sure there's people in the middle east doing interesting lifetimes worth of work of course there where are. you could have said well you know songwriting and lyrics lyric poetry or whatever you want to say it and you could do both right it's not you have it's, you can't it's not that you have to choose Dylan if you're going to choose songwriting, right? You don't. It, that's not required. I guess if you if you want if you want the pub, and you don't want to be attacked, maybe it's the safer the sort of safe choice to be radical. If that makes sense, I don't know. It's it's a it's a really really safe and boring and silly choice disguised as an interesting choice, which yeah. I find to be kind of insulting. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. So I can see that. That's how I. That's how. But I also, Dylan is awesome. I mean, sure. that, that, so I just get that in there. Just it's Dylan. James I mean, Joyce. I just don't. Yeah, know. same as well. James Joyce is awesome <laughs> too. Um, so I don't know. Like, but there is a there is this other piece of, and, and again, I think it's the same fount of snobbery that comes from you know YA is rotting our brains and romance mm-hmm. is for gutter snipes or whatever. I mean, I don't even know whatever the. The most reductive, absurd form of those arguments is, is that this isn't literature. And I, I love the literature is what we say it is, you know, Terry Eagleton model. Um, I think it is. If you don't, great. There's no, there's no judge here, right? There's no, there's no rubric we get to refer to or have to refer to say what is and what isn't. Um, I guess if uh, a painter was a word, the literature, literary word, I... If it's, if it's largely or meaningfully about words, I guess I'm game to call literature. I'm sure someone will win. I wonder if someone will win in a lifetime for writing movies or a TV show. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, it's like, it's not, it's no different than plays. Yeah. Um, the way it's, you know, when Aaron Sorkin wins in 25 years. Oh <laughs> I don't know. Um, he's going to be the, he's going to, I think, you know, that's what, I don't know that Sorkin's going to age very well. The word. No. It's going to be like rock. Where for a while, it was the, like, the West Wing recently. You know, I tried to, 
to do a couple episodes to try to as sort of uh, I don't know uh, antidote to our political moment, and it just doesn't help. It's, it feels like something. It feels like a period piece now. Exactly. It's just completely. It's like a it's a snow globe universe. It's so weird. It's so weird to watch now. You have to watch like Game of Thrones or something, where it's almost mm-hmm. completely divorced from the world as we know it. Anyway. I just don't think I don't I don't understand. I don't know how you could seriously, with a straight face, make a claim that songwriting is not literary. I don't know either. Especially, you don't even have to do the, like, Greek poets, Homer spoken word. But you can. But, Which I mean, you, you can. totally can. Like, yeah. the root of all literature yeah, is this right, exact yeah. thing. Right, so how right. can you sit there and tell me that this is whatever? But, I mean, you don't even have to go that far. It's it's writing words to impart a meaning, which is all literature is. So, I don't know. Sit down. <laughs> and, and, and then from there, it's, I mean, I, I guess people get worried because, like, well, then if there's no standards, and what's this piece in the Guardian you, you link to? is like, yeah. this is the same culture that makes Donald Trump the nominee because nothing means uh, anything and there's floating signifiers and value is divorced from executive, blah, blah, blah. Didn't get Stop it. No. There are plenty of reasons to be confused or not into this pick for the prize, but that's not one of them. Like, no, no one's getting discernment cookies here. There's no, <laughs> there's, no, there's no special pudding you get for having great taste. Um, actually, you know what? You do get a special pudding. It's terrible, boring pudding. <laughs> it's vanilla. It's, yeah. Well, not even vanilla. Vanilla is actually, it's just like, it's like, it's like, un, it's like, what's this? Regular plain yogurt with no sugar or fat. It's just like, Protein substrate. Congratulations. Have fun. That, that uh, Soylent stuff. Yeah, that stuff they drink in the Matrix that looks like soggy Cheerios that comes out of a tube. Congratulations. So anyway, there we go. Um, so one other quick game we're done with this. So let's say it's 23 years until another American gets their turn mm-hmm. like it was. So that means, you know, people that get the Nobel are typically in their 70s. So that'd be someone who's like 45 to... 55 maybe any americans jump out to you as our next our next turn here you know who, who do you think who do you got claudia rankin that's a good one uh marilyn robinson if she's still alive <laughs> 23 years <laughs> she's in her 70s now right so yeah that's yeah a... it's gonna be a while i got i you know i'm still pulling for Rushdie. i mean he's not yeah. american i'm just thinking of like people i'd really pull for um uh, white, I said I was joking around about Whitehead this morning, but by, the, the more I was joking about it, the realized I wasn't joking. Yeah, he's not going to get it because he's too genre, which is the same reason Murakami's never going to win. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I maybe, maybe, I mean, that's the thing about this award is it opens a lot of can of worms mm-hmm. that, that are in, interesting worms. Um, if they've really broken the nonfiction poetry fiction die, then a lot of other things are on the table. And that's maybe the most interesting thing about it, where you could look at it like when, right? could do something like that. Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about how a prize that ignores genre fiction is a prize that ignores brown people. Yeah. Um, and, like, making yourself only about literary fiction makes you accidentally racist. So yeah, right, until yeah. they start giving it to science fiction, I don't think this is going to be, an, like, a terrible... Yeah, it's, I guess science fiction, of the genres, that would be the one that would probably tumble first, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. often it's get thrown in with grudgingly say the Bradbury or Vonnegut, right? Or, or Le Guin or Specfic, like, Specfic on the, on the grand scale or Atwood or Whitehead or somebody like that. Man, if Atwood won, I would be so happy. I think mean, Monroe blew up her spot. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, unfair. I mean, I, I don't think I would be, let me put it this way. 
I wouldn't put a hundred bucks on it. <laughs> well, Whitehead wrote a zombie novel, so yeah, no, it yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to see. Um, you, you know, should have given it to Octavia Butler before she died. But you know, Lin Manuel Miranda would be interesting in thirty. That would be years. amazing. I mean, he's got two amazing, uh, yeah, I guess, play, uh, musical theater, whatever you want to say, you know, mm-hmm. stage, stage productions. Um, three or four more it gets interesting. I don't, I don't think anyone's won for anything like musical theater before. Um, and Penn, I mean, there's lots of playwrights, not lots. There's a few playwrights um, that have won. Hard to say. I mean, it's, I mean, um, yeah, I, I always hold down for Rushdie. I, th- I think he should win. I think it's artistically, politically deserved. He's got his works, as we all do, but, boy, someone who tried to speak truth to power and yeah, seriously. Put, put his behind on the line. Gotta respect that. Quite literally. Quite. <laughs> 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 all right, well, let us know what you think. Podcast at bookwriter.com. Um, but if you're going to say songs or literature, say your, I mean, go ahead and, and send them, but... Uh, I'll probably, I'm probably delete it before right, I, yeah, I, I, may, I, may, I may mark that as red. Let's put it that way. Uh, where do you want to go next? Oh, I like the secret rooms in the. Tell, tell me about the. Tell me about the secret rooms. Oh, I gotta open it. This is so. Yeah. Cool. So okay, so the New York Public Library system, the branches in the olden days when they were run by coal furnaces, had custodians who had to keep the fires burning during the winter, right, to like keep the buildings warm, and so they would live there with their families in these like secret apartments in the New York Public Library system that have, for the most part, been destroyed through renovations and whatnot, because obviously we don't run on coal furnaces anymore, so there's no need for a custodian. But some of them are still there, and they're, like, so creepy, abandoned, haunted house rooms, like, in the back of these New York public libraries that I just need someone to write a ghost story about. Please. And that's my story. It's, it's like, um, they're kind of like lighthouse keepers for libraries, right? Yeah. You gotta keep the fires going. Uh, and, like, their kids live there with them. And, like, imagine growing up in a library. That would be so rad. That would uh, be like that's, there's, a, there's a nice little, like, uh, period piece there. Yeah, writing right? prompt. Like a version of uh, Hugo Cabret, but it's it's uh, the, li- the secret apartment above the library. But why why do they have to keep the fire running all night? I don't know. Because the books, the books, books can get cold. <laughs> I guess... I mean, I'm assuming that coal heat takes a while to heat a space that large. So once you let it, so you just down, you just gotta keep it yeah. cooking all the time. I may have may have learned that from The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was your Dickensian obsession that you sort of <laughs> knew about how 19th century heating systems work because nah, of uh, Stephen King. Story of my well, life. Well, that's right. Dickens, no one has heat. Dickens. No one has heat in Dickens, so you wouldn't have found that out because everyone's cold that's all true. the time. Everybody's so cold, poor. so dirty. <laughs> or they have all servants to do it for them. Yeah, uh, this piece of Alice Obscura, which I'll link to. Uh, interesting, good, some good photos and a good uh, weird history there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's do celebrity imprint time. Okay. Um, I went, I didn't see this one coming. Did you know Sarah Jessica Parker was like a bookish person? Did you? Know I this? did know that. Yes. How, do, you, do you know just like she likes to read or what? I have not. Um, she, I don't. She's not as in my my uh, yeah, yeah, my yeah. social media world or whatever as like Reese Witherspoon. So I haven't seen specific stuff that she's read. Um, but I have heard tell. But like you had you had in your mental model of Sarah Jessica Parker that like books yeah. were in. Her it was in like my archetype. Yeah, you already SJB archetype, file under bookish as well. Yep. Um, but she's going to get her own publishing imprint at Hogarth, which is an imprint of Crown, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House, yep, yep. which is an imprint of, which is a subsidiary of Bertelsmann, um, just to give you the Russian nesting dolls of how publishing is put together. <laughs> um, Parker's wrote the imprint titled SJP, 
<clears throat> will be editorial director and she will find and edit and publish three to four novels per year. Uh, so as she said, I've always loved to read for the same reason I love to act because other people's stories are more interesting than my own. Um, she was looking for great voices and global stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how interesting is this? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying like to figure a, it out, too. Like a five. Yeah, I feels about right. cautiously interested, you know. I feel kind of the same way that I did about Lena Dunham's imprint, mm. uh, which is like, all right, like, white lady feminist. We'll see. Like, we'll see. Yeah. You know, but she said guess, she specifically mentions global stories, mm-hmm. so it could be more interesting than, than I'm afraid for. But but I like yeah. her, so. I, I, see, I like her, too. I guess the thing that's interesting to me is, the Dunham imprint felt more like they were trying to catch a rising star, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, she had a book coming out. Maybe she's going to be, I don't know, a big time essayist. We sell a bunch of books. Is, is Sarah Jessica Parker's name going to sell a bunch of books? I don't. Maybe to like a very specific subset uh, of Sex in the City fans. I guess that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, what's the play here for Hogarth? Like, wh- I guess I understand why she might want to do it. Like, if you like books, this would be a lot of fun. You know, she's getting a little bit older it's hard to be an actress she's made plenty of money so i'm not sure she's looking at she's looking to make a bunch of money you can still stay in the artistic and creative life i guess from hogarth is is that going to make enough of a difference in their profit and loss statements on a title by title basis you know not, not enough people picking up sarah jessica parker like in, you know monograms on the spine of their book mm-hmm. I, maybe i'm wrong but i would i would guess not i would guess not i am not sure what her social media following is like so i feel like yeah uh, for a celebrity imprint, like, Lena Dunham was a more obvious choice yeah. this one. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm trying to say. That's a better way of putting it. Um, but I could be wrong, because maybe she has a bajillion yeah. social media followers, and I just am not one of them. And from this, it says it's not just sort of a, we're going to, it's not going to sort of like a Britney Spears perfumes where you sort of put your name on the finished product after it's done, right? It sounds like she's going to be part of the find, edit, and publish. Like, that's having an imprint I mean that's, yeah, that's being, like doing I mean, a thing <laughs> so who knows what adverbs would need to come before those verbs to make them more accurate affect what she's actually going to do but the find edit and publish that's that's a lot of sausage making yeah. um, that goes into that goes into that I'll be curious to hear as these things go by the time one these books actually comes out we'll have long forgotten that this was a story because it takes like 10,000 years um, yeah have we even gotten the first Lena Dunham book yet I don't think so uh, we, we heard like last year um, there was, an, I think, an Asian-American woman who she was the first pickup for the press. But, again, it was, like, coming in 2029. Yeah, my, yeah. You, know, whatever, you know how these things go. Okay. Um, for a reason I still don't fully understand. It, I, I, I know there's a lot of work, blah, 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 blah. Why it takes three years to get a book to, to, the, to the stores, um, I, I still scratch my head. Okay. Um, I don't know. Speaking of things, I'm not sure how excited people are about but that i am excited about mm-hmm. um we were just trying to figure out how to say this her name we, we realized we both don't know arundhati roy um i know how to say the name of her first novel the god of small things which was a huge book in like 90 it came out in 97 and won the booker in 97 mm-hmm. so that was in the wheelhouse of my you know really getting into reading contemporary lit in a serious way when i was in college um so i picked it up i love the book um I have to admit, I remember very little about it now. And she was, it was her first book. And I remember always thinking, okay, I wonder when her next books would come out. Well, her next novel is is finally coming out next year, um, 20 years later. 
And I'm excited. Are you, did you, are you a God of Small Things person? I did you am. Ever read this? I yeah. read it my freshman year of college. I was okay. assigned it in, oh, interesting. Yeah, in college um, for a contemporary literature class. And I loved it. Although now it's got some weird stuff with twins in it, which now that I have. Oh, I, I, I didn't think about that. I can't, yeah, there's like, like magic twin speak stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's all, there's also, if I remember correctly, there's like some incest stuff. I, that, I might oh, dear. mix I don't remember that. other twin tropes. From I may have been now. so naive, not even to have picked up on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I could be. I could. I mean, it's been a minute, so I might be mixing it up with something else. But um, mm-hmm. so I probably won't be rereading it. But I loved it when I read it, and yeah, I I'm really excited. I mean, it's not like she hasn't been writing. She's been writing nonfiction no, this right. whole time. Um, a lot. The next book, the novel is called "The Ministry of Utmost Happiness," which mm-hmm. I find to be a delightful title. <laughs> um, and it's gonna. We don't know when. We know nothing about it. Um, just that it's coming, which yeah. is exciting. Um, that'll be a big release, I'm guessing, next fall. If it was coming out in March, we would have heard about this already. And it's not, apparently she's been, like, working on it for 20 years. It's not like she took a break. <laughs> There's this funny anecdote about how she was writing, she was, she'd started the novel, and, like, her editor came over and said, just show me what you're writing, or her <laughs> agent. And... He said, okay, great. And she started writing it, but then she got distracted by an investigations of Maoists in India. This woman. <laughs> yeah. Easily distracted by, distracted by like really important things. Not like by a butterfly, but like social boulders. Yeah. Rolling down. Like, really, I mean, she's written a lot of it. Very, very political. Yeah. Um, but. She's written a bunch about like India's nuclear yeah, armament yeah, and all of yeah, that. Um, yeah, so yeah. fine, you get a pass. Yeah, fine, fine. For not giving fine, us your second fine, novel fine, for twenty years, fine. whatever. But tell me a funny story. <laughs> tell me a bad, Tell me a story. Um, um, so that's coming out next year. I'm excited about that. Twenty. I guess it's just every year I was like, oh, there's another big novel coming out. But that's one I've been waiting on for. And the and the Jeff waiting on people. She might have been number one. Oh really? Just because of the length of time. I kind of gave up. You know, I think I did too. Yeah, like that's the only reason she might have been number one. Is I put I I put her in the the boneyard, the mothball, where all the old decommissioned ships go. Like she's not going to write another novel. Yeah, she could go hang out with like Harper Lee. Over <laughs> yeah, but at least she wrote other stuff. The one and done. That's the thing that kept me hoping is that that she always she was cranking out this other stuff. On the other hand, it almost seemed like less likely because she had found an outlet for mm-hmm. whatever creativity she was going to do. Um, anyway. Oh, you know what? I just thought of, speaking of um, uh, India and Indian diaspora, Jhumpa Lahiri as a Nobel candidate in 30 years is interesting. Thoughts oh, yeah, that would be cool. Because I, I think she's... Yeah, she's, in, she's like cross-format. Yeah. And I think she's an American citizen now, so it would technically be an American. I'm not going to getting hung up on this, just like, because there's a lot of people from around the world that live and work and write in America, but if they won, you wouldn't say an American won. But I think she is a citizen. I think mm-hmm. I think she would quote-unquote count um, for those of you keeping the score at home in the longest score game of all time where you enter something once every 23 years um it's like a cricket match you get three shots and that's it here okay here's how let's talk about book gig for a second worst name it's it's a bad name interesting idea well tell me if you did so here's here's what it is it's a it's from HarperCollins uk um and what it's billing itself as is, is a publisher agnostic basically clearing house for information about literary events. Right now, it's only in the UK. So, you know, if you're looking for something to do in Omaha related to books this weekend, you're out of luck. <laughs> but um, if you're in Leeds, maybe you're in luck. Um, and that's basically what it is. It's publisher agnostic, meaning they're not going to just do HarperCollins titles, which was, it's one of those things that's smart, 
but the other choice would be so dumb they'd be unconscionable but because publishing you're like yay you didn't pick the absolute worst strategy because yeah. people do that all the time it's called book gig you can go to book um, you can google it you'll find it so bad name aside the interesting or not interesting to you uh, mm, that's no. a five. Not more or less interesting than Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, less. Less interesting. So a three, a four, or lower. Yeah, but I mean, maybe four. Tell I me just, why. Tell me why. Why isn't it? Why isn't it a one? Like if it's if it's not interesting, why is okay, it lower? Okay, because I recognize that other people might find this useful. But oh, I personally do not leave my house. So. Yeah. I, like a, a clearing house of, of author events at places where I would have to leave my house is not a thing mm-hmm. I care about. Um, but that's just me. I could, I could totally get how somebody would find this. I'm, I don't go to literary events. I also I really don't. do not. But we, like, don't have to. You know? Like, we no, put our life on, is a literary event. We put on literary yeah, events. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Don't, no, yeah. I understand. We're doing this. I mean, we, we get our, we're not looking on a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock to do more of this. As much as I love this, to be honest with you, I'm not looking to do more at eight o'clock. Right. Um, I'm so watching like, Parks and Rec reruns and drinking brandy. I, that's where I'd. Our level of interest in being in like fanning out on an author is maybe yes, not the best indicator. Pretty low. Of, yeah. Um, but from a need point of view, I can see uh, to in, in, in interest of full disclosure, this is something we sort of have kicked around from time to time to do ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a bunch of literary events out there. Unless you, and where are you going to find out about it? Unless you're going to follow 10,000 bookstores on Twitter, no one uses Twitter, you're going to find uh, newsletters in your library, bookstores, or like one-offs from a local college or university. It's a disaster mm-hmm. um, to try to figure out. And you know, when I was living in New York, it was even worse because there was so much that there's no way you could keep track of it. Yeah, if you I live in a, like other places will have the opposite problem. Like I was thinking about this yes. in Richmond, and we've got one independent bookstore mm-hmm. Um and it's well, some Barnes and Nobles. Do people come there to do events or no? Yeah, uh, they do. But from my experience, it's mostly just been like local, um, like self-published kind of stuff. Um, so all you really need to do to keep up with events mm-hmm. in Richmond is go to the Fountains website. Yeah, um, and that's right. that's pretty much it. Although right now, well, I might just be talking myself out of it. The the James River Writers Association is having a big conference this weekend, and a bunch of people are coming. So I maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. I might have just talked myself out of my own point. Yeah, what the thing that we always came have, we keep coming back to when it circles up is like let's revisit this thing. Is I mean, it's it feels like there's a problem there, but is it actually a reader's problem? Mm-hmm. Like, are there actually readers out in the world and book loving people? Like, ah, I don't know what a book events to go to, or are they just they find what they're going to go to. Is it like discoveries a problem? Like publishing? Well, we want to get you know we make sure the readers get the right books and make sure they find out about well. Is that really their problem or is that your problem? Is the problem here, I mean, you can see from a publisher side, they want more people to know about their events. Mm-hmm. Easy. That's a real problem on their side. But that supply side problems in publishing, you a lot of times don't also have a correlative demand side problem. And this is one I'm worried that it's just there's not enough of a demand side. There's not enough people out there like, I would go to... Because the theory is, I guess, there's a bunch of people out there who go to more literary events if they just knew that they were happening, mm-hmm. right? That's the central proposition. And I'm just not sure that's true. I'm just not sure that's true. <clears throat> um, well, I hope it's true. Do you think that's true? Yeah, that, I think. That well, there's like, you can expand the pie of attendance at literary events if people had better, more complete knowledge of their, their goings on? I think so. It depends on the event. Um like, do more people want to go to a reading? Nah. Mm. Do more people want to go 
meet Neil Gaiman and have him sign their book and, mm-hmm. you know, like, interact with him in some way? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think it kind of depends. Okay. I guess we'll see. I mean, they'll, 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 it sounds like they're putting some serious resources that Sam Missingham, who I think is in charge of who I follow on Twitter, is active and vocal about publishing it. I was always trying new stuff. Um, so I have a little bit more hope for it than I would from just sort of generic imprint publisher A or B, because mm-hmm. um, I've seen what she's done. But the, the central premise of doing something like this is if you build it, they will come. Like, quite well, little. you know, now I'm thinking about like, like when Toni Morrison came to DC, I found out about that on Twitter and I drove <laughs> up to see her because Toni Morrison and it had, if there's like more stuff like that going on that I don't know about that are authors that like, I'm never going to have access to or meet right uh, with this job, but who I still, you know, like Toni Morrison, I can't actually think of another example other than her, but if that exists, um, if there was like a newsletter that was sent to me every week that was like within 50 miles here yeah, are the right. authors that are coming. Enter your zip code and we'll give you things within 100 miles or something. Yeah, like I might that. be I might be interested in that. Would I actually go? Eh, but no, right, right. I guess it's also one of those things you don't know if there's demand until you try some supply because it's about an information vacuum, right? Yeah. So there's no way to prove a negative. You don't know that there's not there. You just have to try it um, and see. Anyway, go check out Book Gig. Uh, I guess especially if you're in the UK. Check it out there. Um, let's see what's going on. Let me do our next sponsor. FabFitFun is back. Um, wait, wait. So here's the, here's the deal with FabFitFun. It's a subscription box with premium, full-size fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. comes out once a season. So you know what the seasons are. Unless you're <laughs> California or Portland, which there are two seasons. Here there's when it rains and when it doesn't. But for those of you who understand what four seasons are, it comes out one each season. It retails for $49.99, but there's always a value over $200. And the fall box actually has a value of more than $200. You can subscribe at fabfitfun.com. They don't want to reveal anything that everything is in the box because part of the fun of a subscription box like this is the surprise. A few of the items are a skin laundry night serum, Pure Cosmetics Naked Eyeshadow Palette, a French Lavender Body Oil, because everyone knows that French lavender is the best. All this other sort of English lavender or Spanish lavender, it's all garbage. And a mod cloth scarf. Those are, those are just some of the things in the fall box. There's also been lip glosses, daily sprays, subscriptions to interesting services or products, um, gift cards, perfume, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, a Zumba DVD. So kind of, you know, that's if you want to be fab, you want to be fit, you want to be fun. Any of those things interest you, even better if all of them interest you, it's a subscription box to try. And here's the deal. Listeners here can use the coupon code RIOT at FabFitFun and get 10 bucks off your first box. Plus, if you refer a friend, you get $15 off your box and their friend gets $10 off their box. I know it sounds like a pyramid skin scheme, but that is legit. Thanks to FabFitFun for sponsoring today's show. Coach, you're going to make a good gift for someone else. Make a good gift for yourself. You know, it's a Christmas holiday season coming up where we buy each other stuff as a replacement for actual feeling. So go have some fun and find something for you there. All right, do a couple more stories. What else we got here? Oh, I think we may have talked about this story a million years ago, but this is the latest in, this is in, I don't know how to say this word, this town in Michigan. Do you know how to say this one? That's like Y-S-P-L-I-N-T-I, Gipsplanty, something Oh, like no, I know. Nope. Yeah, I've seen it a million times. I have no idea how to say it. <laughs> Um, anyway, a barbershop there is offering kids $2 off their, their cut if they will read a book to the barber um, as they're getting their hair cut and, you know, answer a short quiz about what they just read, you know, an oral exam right at this haircut. 
to see if they, you know, make sure they're actually paying attention, reading along. Um, this barbershop got the idea because it saw a similar story about a barbershop in Harlem doing this. And before this, there was one in L.A. And I think I've seen one in Detroit as well. It's maybe one in San Francisco or Texas, too. But there's it's, it's a it's like it's like a, a mini little free library wave of, um, <laughs> you know, people finding an idea that they like and building it into their community, which I, I love. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I don't know what else to say about it except yay. I don't know. Is there anything else to say about it? No, I mean, no. <laughs> You've got a captive child. Make him read. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's maybe worth noting that the uh, audience, I don't know, customer yeah. base for this barbershop is mostly young black boys. Who oh, yes. Purchase. I should have mentioned that. Yes. And yes. so they're, the shop has been like purposefully trying to reflect that in the books that they supply for the program. So it's most it's like books about young black athletes and black kid detectives yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, so they're that they're making like a, an effort to reflect the kid's identity in the, in the books that they pick, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, also, you know, it's not just a cliche that, you know, in a lot of, uh, especially black communities, a barbershop is a cultural and community hub. So yeah. to have, you know, these community spaces prioritize and reward reading is a big deal. Yeah. You know, we've, we know so much about social influence and social performance as being a cue for behavior and value that it can't hurt, right? It can't hurt. And I, I think there is something to be said for how reading is so often a gendered activity. Yeah, like it's right. so often associated with girls that for like a barbershop to make it a thing that's acceptable and fun for little boys to do is, yeah. is nice. Cause you know, little boys don't often get, don't get enough encouragement or support. Yeah. And to have it come from, uh, an I mean, an, an adult, but also a male adult, yeah. right. That's saying, this is something that's important and I want you, I'm going to encourage you, uh, to do it there. I would have loved, um, I always hated getting my hair cut. <laughs> That's why my body decided to go bald. But it would have been fun if I could read when I was a kid. I would have looked forward to it. I would have liked that, I think. Maybe I'll have to have Ames do that because he doesn't like getting his hair cut. Do, they, can, do your kids like getting their hair cut? I don't. They didn't used to um, care because I would distract yeah. them. And now their father takes them, so I don't ah, have to deal with it. They go down the shop. <laughs> yep. Get the so fade. It's, it's very male. I, mm-hmm. I have nothing to do. It is weird. That is weird. That's, that's a weird thing. <laughs> um, yeah, you sit there with a little, like, that thing around your neck that's too tight mm-hmm. and you got to be motionless. You know, it's, all five-year-olds love exactly that kind of situation to be. <laughs> yeah, motionless is not a thing. All right, that's our show. You can give us feedback, podcast.bookrack.com. Um, you can find show notes. We've got links to all this stuff that's what we talked about today at bookrack.com slash listen. Check out, look out for the Right Read podcast. You'll see us tweeting about it, and we'll talk about it again on the show. I guess that's so, we haven't even thought about our next pick for the book. So that might be something we could solicit feedback on. It's like, what should we do next, you know, mid-November into, into December? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna, I think we're going to pick book right like books, you know, diversity, genre, all the things you would expect us to care about. Um, we're going to try to reflect that in the books we pick. Um, let's see. I guess I guess that's it. Uh, also, Book Right Live is coming up. Uh, just mention that if you want to use offer code Wheelhouse, get 20 bucks off. Still some tickets there, bookrightlive.com. We're going to do a live recording of all the shows. Also, we're doing a um, Nobody Asked Us. Did we talked about yes. this show, yes. <laughs> We're looking. Is it Saturday morning? I, I think it might be first thing Saturday morning. Yeah. As people are coming in and sort of getting their coffee into their system and there's a line to get in. Me and, and you and Rebecca. Uh-huh. And are we going to drag – Jen will have other things to do. Uh, yeah, so I don't think – I think it's just the three of us. The three of us. We're just going to like take questions and, and uh, 
spitball and uh, I guess kind of barbershop talk, frankly. Yeah. Um, so you have something else about stuff we don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah. The podcast recordings we'll do will be available in the regular feed. This is a one time only. No, all records will be destroyed after the fact. <laughs> so much cursing. You've got to put your phone in those little Ziploc bags. Leave it. No, yeah. Um, but I, I will hurt you if, you if you try to transcribe anything we said there. Yeah, it will probably work blue. I imagine some of the first words out of our mouth will be uh, deletable, inadmissible, iTunes uh, erasable. Yeah. Um, so check that out. That If that nudges you into checking us out, you can also get single day tickets. So if you only want to come for that, <laughs> you can check that. The schedule is also available, too, if you want to see what the panels look like, even if you can't come and see what's going on there. All right. Well, thanks, Amanda. No problem. Talk to you later.